You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show. Presented by Diet Pepsi on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into this uh, Tuesday, October 3 edition, 2023, of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM. I'm your host, Gary Harris, talking sports and more over the next uh, couple of hours here on the Big Tide 100.9 FM. I got my main man, Justin Jones, right there in the control room. He's taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline, 205-342-9904. He's doing all the heavy lifting. Of course, Noah Haynes has already been in this morning since uh, before Dawn uh, working. He's always around helping us out as well. We got a good show on tap for you. I'm going to run it down here in just a second. A lot of good uh, entertainment value in the next two hours here on the Gary Harris Show. But first, this hour of the Gary Harris Show brought to you as always by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned and not for profit, it's just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union reminds you that convenience and savings make life better. The ACU Lifestyle Account. Learn more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. <coughs> and put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, the lineup for today is uh, always a good one on Tuesday. The Rocket Man, Rudy Arman from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville will join us at uh, 930 to talk some ball. Then at 1015, it's the Titans report with Kayla Anderson uh, from uh, Nashville and uh, Emmy Award winning TV sportscaster. And, of course, now a uh, big time radio host with uh, Ramon Kayla and Will in the mornings on 104.5 The Zone there in Nashville. And the Titans, uh, what a turnaround. I mean, that was uh, that was pretty cool. They uh, got just embarrassed at Cleveland the week before. Only had uh, less than 100 yards of total offense. And then came home and uh, blew out the Bengals on Sunday. And Derrick Henry got his groove back. 122 yards rushing. He ran for a touchdown. He threw a touchdown in the game. So uh, we'll talk with uh, Kayla about the Titans now as they get to 2-2 two and two in the AFC South. Also, Nick Saban held his uh, weekly Monday press conference. And uh, Justin and Noah have the clips. We'll run some of that if we have an opportunity. Then in the final segment, I am going to have to uh, duck out of here a little early today. Uh, I've got a dentist appointment coming up at 11 o'clock. So in that final segment, uh, Justin will be with you. But we're going to have the Jimbo Fisher press conference from yesterday out in uh, College Station, the head coach of the Texas A&M Aggies that we're going to play in that final segment for you. So we'll look forward to hearing from Jimbo as he talks about the Crimson Tide. And uh, you know how you think I talk fast. You know, when, when Jimbo is talking, boom, it flies. And he says a lot in a short amount of time, and he broke down that Alabama roster yesterday just about player by player. So we'll look forward to that as well. As I said, your phone calls are welcome. On the first domain condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Had a lot of great caller interaction yesterday, and we look forward to it uh, again. Let me go over some stories that are making news. Of course, obviously, Alabama football is uh, is the top story. And um, Crimson Tide preparing for that showdown in College Station on Saturday afternoon, a little after 2.30 on CBS at Kyle Field. Alabama is a slight favorite in the game, but 
I said this yesterday, and I believe it, even though Alabama is the betting favorite, I think among people that are analysts and college football observers, I think they're the underdog. I think most people feel like that uh, that Texas A&M is going to win that game. So we'll see how Alabama responds on Saturday afternoon. Hopefully they'll have a good week of practice and preparation and be ready to go. Uh, on the golf scene, uh, the summer of Nick Dunlap has now transitioned into the fall. The Alabama sophomore golfer set a school record and matches an NCAA record for a single round score of 12 under par 60. He's one of only 18 men to do, uh, in college golf to accomplish the feat. And what makes it even more impressive is that he had a putt for birdie there on 18 for 59 that was, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 feet and it lipped out. It lipped out. It uh, it could have easily gone in. Uh, it didn't go in, but um, it almost did. And this guy right now, he may not be ranked the number one amateur golfer in the in the world, but he is. He's the best amateur golfer right now in the world. The reigning U.S. amateur champion, and uh, has just done everything that uh, that you can do in a summer as an amateur golfer. Won three major amateur titles, including the USAM. Now he comes out yesterday at day one of the Hamptons Intercollegiate and shoots 60. Alabama Golf uh, riding his uh, history-making day. Has a four-shot lead, leading today's final round up in East Hamptons, New York. And um, as I said, <clears throat> he um, he lipped out for 59. And um Wow. And, uh, he, of course, he's trying to win the individual title today, too. He's got a two-shot lead over UCLA's Luke Powell. Uh, we've got uh, Dunlap at 15-under. Powell is at 13-under. And uh, they'll play that second and final round today. But uh, what a round yesterday. Again, this is a par 72. So to shoot 12-under is just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he is just um, – he's playing at a different level right now. I mean, he really, really, really is. And – um, I just want to make sure he gets his due and, uh, hopefully we'll be able to get JC Will on here soon to talk about what, um, what this young man, Nick Dunlap has been able to do and what, of course, <laughs> the spring looks like, you know, they're in the fall season right now, but when they get to the spring, this team is certainly going to be an SEC and NCAA championship contender and, uh, Alabama's won two NCAA national championships under JC Well, but it's been a while. So this may be the year coming up in 2023 that they get back on top. Of course, uh, other news and notes, major league baseball playoffs get underway today and, um, the Braves, of course, um, get to sit it out for a little while. That is the, that is the advantage of having the best record in baseball and winning your division. We've got games, though, today at 2 o'clock Central, Texas and Tampa Bay in the American League, also at uh, 3.30 Central, Toronto and Minnesota in the American League, at 6 p.m. Central, Arizona and Milwaukee in the National League, and at 7 p.m. Central, Miami and Philadelphia in the National League. And, of course, the Miami-Philadelphia winner will get the Braves um, in the NLDS. So, Baseball is back, and uh, Monday Night Football last night, boy, the Jets are struggling, the Giants struggling even more so. Oh, man, they are just, what they want up, did y'all watch it, what they want up giving like 11 sacks last night? And our guy, Evan Neal from Alabama, ooh, he's not at left tackle, he's at right tackle, but he is, uh, he is struggling. They got beat 24 to 3 by the Seahawks. I tell you what, um, he got banged up and had to leave, but Jaron Reed, 
in like his eighth NFL season now has had a, uh, uh, I mean, he is playing great being back with the Seahawks for a second stint. Was playing great last night until he went out of the game. Had to be carted off, but from what I understand, it's not too bad. I'll check on his status. But uh, Seahawks rolled the Giants last night, 24-3. The the Ryder Cup fallout as we go back to golf, um, this continues to be a, you know, not a good look for the United States. They got beat pretty badly. um, And now all this stuff about contracts and wanting to get paid and now there's a story out that Xander Shoffley an automatic qualifier almost had his Ryder Cup spot revoked over a contract dispute and um, I don't know where all this is headed but um, I don't know it's just uh, Cantley and Xander Shoffley wanted a player agreement amended so that a Netflix documentary crew uh, didn't have access to the team room while filming the second season of Full Swing Series, for which players are not compensated. And um, I don't know. It's just players, uh, just like in every sport, they've got most of the clout and the power now, and uh, and they want to use it. But for the United States team, you kind of wish the focus was on uh, winning the Ryder Cup rather than individual agendas and contracts and resting up before the event and the Europeans meanwhile were unified practicing hard playing golf with one focus and that was to win the Ryder Cup and that's what um, and that's what they were able to do all right it's 9 10 here on the Gary Harris show we're off and running this morning and right now we're going to jump out on the first of main condos hotline our good friend Tom is going to lead us off this morning good morning Tom uh, Gary how are you this morning? doing well I really enjoyed the show yesterday and uh I, I've been thinking about some things that Casey on golf brought to the table yesterday in his discussion on the Ryder Cup, and uh, I didn't want to call back in uh, for twice yesterday, and I said I'd just wait till the day and call in and bring up some of the points that I so agreed with him on his criticism of the stupid uh, Zach Johnson. And uh, now... You come out and you say there was dissension in the players' room uh, about getting paid and docu-series and Netflix and all like that. And uh, I got to thinking about Xander and his dad is a nemesis of everything. And uh, he's quite contentious. I don't know if you've ever paid any attention to him or not. A little bit, yeah. And uh, and I wanted to bring this up on one of Casey on Goff's points, if you don't mind. Sure. He said that Zach Johnson, which I'm not shocked, he should never be the captain again, paid no attention to analytics. And, and Casey pointed out that that was a huge mistake because on the other side, on the European team, Luke Donald and his vice captain sat down and they analyzed everything about the Americans game. And they came to the conclusion, <coughs> excuse me, that if they could keep the wedge out of the Americans' hands, it gave them an advantage because they thought they drove the ball better than the Americans when the course was tight. And the rough was deep. Well, that so, certainly turned out to be the case, yeah. 
Luke Donald went to the court superintendent, which is legal. It's legal, everybody. Don't start at me this morning. I'm telling you things that are legal. And uh, don't call in telling me I don't know what I'm talking about. I do know what I'm talking about. They went to the court superintendent. They narrowed the fairways with the rough and deepened the rough. And if you will remember, they killed the American game. And this was all done because of analytics that Donald and his vice captains did. Mm-hmm. And they outsmarted that ignorant bunch that supposed to went over there and represented the United States. Why somebody didn't step up and tell Zach Johnson how the cow eats the cabbage, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, somebody should have got a hold to him and said, look, foo, you're not going about this in the right direction. Your take. Well, uh, they certainly didn't go about it in the right direction, and I'm with you for the most part. I think that uh, the European team was more unified, had a better plan, took it more serious. Uh, it felt like that, again, the American side was agenda-driven. First of all, there was so much controversy about who he picked as his captain's picks and um, you know, also the fact, of course, that there are some of the top players that are on the live circuit and only one live golfer made it, Brooks Kepka, although Kepka did not play well as was the case with most of the Americans. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think the American team was agenda-driven. I think the American team uh, was, was it's, you know, put self, you know, put uh, um, I before team, and, and uh, you know, the Europeans didn't. And uh, they they had a plan. You're absolutely right. Luke Donald did the, did the work and, and put the had the golf course set up to favor his team, which, as you said, is absolutely legal, and that's what they'll do uh, here at uh, Beth Page in a couple years for the United States team, which will favor the United States. Much longer golf course, much wider fairways, all of the things that the U.S. probably needs to win, and the U.S. probably will win, but that doesn't change the fact now that it's been more than 30 years since they've won on European soil, and um, I don't know that that's going to change anytime soon, but listen, Tom, I think that uh, um, with where we're headed with, with pro golf, like everything else, uh, the sport is changing rapidly. What it looks like now, a year from now, it's probably going to look completely different than it does now with this um, ongoing um, merger at some point between Liv and, and the PGA Tour. I, I don't know where it's headed, but I, I know this. Um, money is just ruling everything more so than it ever has. And, uh, you know, now guys are saying they want to be paid to participate in the Ryder Cup. Well, you know, I would never pay them. Uh, they're already, don't, let's be clear, they're already getting some, their money. $200,000. Yeah, they like Donated that's, to the favorite charity. Yeah, like that's nothing. But you play the Ryder Cup for pride and for your country. And if you don't want to do it, we can, we'll find 12 guys that go over there and will. All the bags, all the balls, all the outfits, caps, shoes, uh, outfits, that's given to them. But, Absolutely. you know, I want you to ask uh, Casey this. Uh, in addition to the analytic angle, I, I wonder if uh, if this paying the players didn't start with Tiger and his uh, – is it Lee Steinberg his agent? Isn't, isn't that his agent? Uh, he might have been it. No, it's not Lee Steinberg. Uh, it was David Falk, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was Steinberg, but you're right. It's not. But anyway, no, it's, it's no. We're both wrong. It's it's Mark Steinberg. Mark Steinberg. Yeah, yeah that's, okay. that's yeah. That's no relation to Lee, is it? I, I don't know. I don't think so. There, okay. you know, Lee's more football side of thing, and Mark is, uh, um, you know, certainly been with Tiger for a long time on the golf side. Yeah. Well, Lee went broke. 
Yeah, Mark used and, to be with IMG, and that's you know that's where Tiger was. That's why I was trying to think IMG for years. But then Mark left and kind of started his own own deal, Excel Sports Management, and he leads the professional golf division. But he and Tiger are are tight and uh, um, always you know always have been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> I wanted to uh, to bring that up about what Casey had brought up. I thought it was interesting. I I, I agree with him in his criticism of the team and uh, particularly of Zach Johnson. I thought he did a poor job. But on the other hand, Jay, uh, Gary, I want you to say this or think about this and respond. If it was contention in that room. It could have been that he threw his hands up and said, you know what, there's no coaching you guys. Just go out there and do what the hell you going to do, and let's get over it. Let's get out of here and go home. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I, all I know is when you start out, you're down 4-0 after the first foursomes. You're, you're, you're running uphill, and, you know, you just can't. That very rarely happens that somebody gets whitewashed in the first session. And, and when it does um, – you know you're in trouble, and they never could. Yeah. They never could make it up, and they tried valiantly in, in the final day in singles, and at least for a while gave the you know Americans a little bit of hope. But it's like I said yesterday, though. Not only is the, the team seemed to be fractured a little bit, but the fan base was fractured. You know, you got a lot of Americans that were pulling against their own country because they were mad that you know Dustin Johnson and DeChambeau and the Live Golfers weren't on the on the team. So it's. Um, it was just a poor performance all the way around. Let me ask you this. Can I say this? Casey, if you're listening, would you call in? I want to hear your take on that analytic take I had. See you, Gary. All right. Thank you, Tom. All right. 918. It's um, time to get to the break. And uh, when we come back, we'll be uh, wide open for phone calls as well. We've got uh, Judy Arman, the Rocket Man, coming up at 930. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM, your home for Alabama sports. Football is back, and no one does it. As industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special, Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays unseasonably warm today. The sky mostly sunny. Tuscaloosa's high 89. Clear tonight with the low at 61. Then for tomorrow and Thursday, we stay dry. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 921, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. 
And uh, Justin, I don't think I did a very good job of answering Tom's or or talking to Tom about his analytics take. I do think that uh, the Europeans used analytics better than better than the United States did. I don't think that it all needs to be analytics. I mean, you got to have a feel for your team too, and I think that's what you know. Zach Johnson was trying to do was just have a feel for for his team and put guys out there based on how he felt they needed to go out there. Problem is, you do have to take into account a lot of other factors in terms of of an event like this, and you do have to look at analytics. And I think you got to look at running your best players out there. I think the biggest mistake he made was too many of his good players and top players were sitting uh, in the clubhouse when they played that first round of foursomes. And as much as I like Thomas and Spieth together, um, Spieth was really struggling. You know, and after they got they got that half point in the first day and probably should have got a point, but Spieth, you know, Thomas carried him on the back. That might have been the time to split Thomas and Spieth up going forward for the weekend. They didn't do it. I think you're exactly right. I think that, that biggest error was, I believe on that first, those first foursomes, the first day was three rookies to the Ryder Cup that were started over some of the best players in the world. Yeah. And when analytics do take a, a stand and they do matter, but when we're talking about the best of the best from the United States or the um, from your Europe, they ha- they they should be able to play through whether it's narrow or wide or you know whether they don't have close um, shots to the green. And I mean, I just don't see and uh, rookies. Of course, we're talking like still very good golfers. But when you're behind in the Ryder Cup, like they were after the first morning. You can't come back. It's so, so hard. Yeah, and it's just um, when you look at the teams on paper, you still would have favored the United States. But as Casey said yesterday, too, I think you got to quit waiting so much or giving so much weight to majors. I mean, that's a big criteria, but it's kind of like now if a guy wins a major, you know, he's going to, you know, he's entitled a spot on the team and it shouldn't shouldn't be that way but let's move on we got a couple more minutes but we'll have plenty of alabama football coming up with drudy armin in the next uh in the next segment but right now um justin i'm curious as to how you see this alabama texas a&m matchup and i'm you know i've already kind of let the hat out of the bag i'll make my prediction tonight on tighter insider tv at 6 30 on wvua 23 uh and i'm if i do pick against alabama it's got nothing to do with with Alabama. I think Alabama's playing well. It's got more to do for me with where A&M's at right now, where this game is being played, where it sets up on the schedule. I just sets, I just think it sets up really well for Texas A&M, uh, for Alabama, uh, in this game and doesn't, you know, mean that what I think matters, but I think I favor A&M because I just think the game just sets up better for them than it does for the Crimson Tide. I think you're right. It definitely does. I think this game's going to be one in the trenches i think the offensive line is kind of been the weakness of among many things for this alabama team and even though a&m was playing arkansas who is not the best team still an sec school and they were playing in i'd like to think a a home field advantage in jerry's world um (laughs) but that defensive line had was it seven or eight sacks I'm really worried about that in the pass rush because I think Milrow has been getting better at throwing the ball, but when he is under pressure and constantly scrambling, that's when we're seeing him take sacks unnecessarily or make bad, quick decisions leading to turnovers. And so if, if A&M's going to beat us, we're going to help him out, and that's a perfect scenario for it. Well, the offensive line is, uh, as we've discussed here, one of the biggest in college football 
and it's getting better. And it needs to step up because you're right, 100%, Justin. That that defensive front for A&M, uh, they've got the potential to have a field day. They're, they can be a nemesis. So the offensive line is going to be challenged. I think they're getting better. As I said, if I do wind up picking up picking against Alabama in this game, it's got more to do with where I think Texas A&M is at than it does anything that Alabama's doing wrong. I, I'm very pleased with how Alabama's playing. I think that I've seen improvement from this team, and the last two games in particular, the last six quarters, um, with where Alabama's at, I think they're in a good position. I think they're playing well. and But I just think sometimes you, the schedule just catches you. And... You know, A&M's a good team. I know they got the loss at Miami, but in the conference so far, they've been really good. They see this as their opportunity, and quite frankly, uh, their opportunity to get to Atlanta. And if they win on Saturday, <clears throat> they're in the catbird seat. So I uh, just think that it sets up well for A&M, but that doesn't mean that, that they're going to win the game. There's no, no guarantee, and Alabama is still the betting favorite here. But at the same time, uh, I think in the eyes of most of the college football analysts right now, I do think that um, – most people see A&M as the favorite on the field. But we'll play it on Saturday afternoon. I think it's going to be a great game. But we're going to ask uh, Trudy Armand more about it. We're going to dive in with the Rocket Man, Alabama football, SEC football discussion coming, discussion coming up next. And a reminder, too, that on Friday we'll do the Bama football trivia contest presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery and University Mall. Another unbelievable prize from uh, that Alabama memorabilia collection that Tom has there at T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery will be giving it away. And, uh, can't, uh, can't say enough how, um, good some of these prizes, including just the last print that we gave away last Friday, the national championship game from Alabama, uh, second 26 over Georgia, signed by Tua, signed by Ridley, signed by Devante, signed by Najee Harris. Uh, it's a limited special edition number print. And we gave that away last week. So T-Town Mentor, T-Town Gallery in the University Mall, bringing you Bama football trivia on Friday here on the Gary Harris Show. We'll be back with the Rocket Man, Rudy Armand, next right here on Tide 100.9 FM, your home for Alabama sports. Built to win. Ball game. Alabama wins. Built for championship. Heading for the pylon. Get the race. Wins the race. Touchdown, Alabama. Built by Bama. Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide pick on Texas A&M at Kyle Field. Our coverage begins at 11:30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner too. The season never ends. This is your home of Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. It's screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Nine thirty one. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. It's time for the Rocket Man, Rudy Arm, and nine seven seven ESPN Radio in the Rocket City of Huntsville, Alabama. He joins us every Tuesday to talk some ball here on the Gary Harris Show. Of course, he's the co-host for Talking Ball every weekday morning from seven to nine with Scott Tyson on nine seven seven ESPN Radio. Hey, Drew, how are you? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, Alabama goes on the road to Starkville and gets an SEC win, forty to seventeen. And uh, of course, we're getting ready for a big showdown against Texas A&M at Kyle Field. But first, let's uh, put the uh, Mississippi State game to bed. Um, highs, lows, good, bad, everything in between. What did you uh, take away from that game? Uh, I thought it was a workmanlike performance. I thought the defense once again was 
it wasn't maybe as good as we've seen the previous two weeks, but it was very solid. Uh, you know, after the initial drive in the third quarter, uh, you know, to, to let State get temporarily back in the game, I thought the offense did a good job of chewing up a lot of the third quarter, getting three points, and then the defense started getting stops. Um, I thought they were efficient in the passing game, though. I mean, it was a little disturbing to only have one official pass attempt by the middle of the second quarter. Uh, but they were also controlling the line of scrimmage. They were running the football pretty effectively. Uh, and then, of course, they had an explosive run from Jalen Milrow. Uh, the defense forced three turnovers, which you always like to see on the road. And then uh, special teams has been really good all year. I mean, Will Riker at four for four. Uh, Burnup doing his job, you know, uh, pinning them deep. And then uh, they did almost have a turnover with a fumble punt, which has been a rarity. But Alabama still doing a nice job in calling the coverage units, and uh, you know, and uh, they didn't break any long returns, but they were solid. But I just thought it was a good performance overall on the road. I think they're gonna you need some more explosiveness on offense. They had a little bit on Saturday. They need to get the receivers more involved in the game plan and the offense. But certainly, I thought it was some steps forward from Jalen Milrow. I thought he was very efficient, especially in the second half to kind of put the game away because again. When it was cut to 31 to 17, it's still a ball game. Still got to answer back their drive. And then with these new clock rules, when Alabama had the lengthy drive in the third quarter that took you into the latter stages and was able to get three points out of it and make it 34 17, Mississippi State was in a load of trouble. And then by the end of the quarter, you're able to pack another three on the board. Pretty much the fourth quarter is just, uh, it's, it's just basically a coronation, man. You, you've taken the crowd out of the game. Uh, you've done your job as a football team. And I thought the offensive line as a unit had its best performance of the year. Yeah, I agree with you there on the offensive line. Uh, they're starting to come together and control the line of scrimmage. And that's certainly important with what they're going to be facing coming up on, on Saturday in terms of de- uh, the defensive front for, for Texas A&M. But one other thing about Alabama coming out of that Mississippi State game, and uh I was there, and it's not going to be nearly as big or as intimidating as Kyle Field. But at the same time, it's a road game. Uh Those cowbells, as you know, Drew, they ring, you know, for three-plus hours. Your your ears are ringing at the end of the game from the cowbells. So I think it was a good, uh you know, perfect spot in the schedule for that game to get a road SEC game under your belt before you go into College Station this Saturday afternoon. Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, you wanted to have the first uh, road start for Jalen Milrow, no doubt about it. I mean, it was the first; it was his first true road start because he came off the bench a year ago against Arkansas. You wanted to see how he reacted. Uh, I thought he did some really good things. Uh, he didn't turn the ball over. They had the one snap issue, but they've got to get that cleaned up, uh, which is not really more. It wasn't a bad snap. It was just uh, the, uh, the center and the quarterback not being on the same page. they got to clean that up. Uh, no question about it. And then, and again, I think that uh, there's a few issues with uh, managing the game. And, and I think Milrow probably had another couple of opportunities to take off. I think in the future, he's got to not take as many sacks. He's got to understand once he gets outside the pocket that he, he can uh, throw the ball away and throw it out of bounds because I just think you're taking unnecessary hits and you're setting your offense back because this is an offense still evolving. It's not as big a play a group as they've had in the past, in my opinion, which where you can overcome those kind of negative plays. You need to, you know, live to fight another down, throw it out of bounds. And then in the second half one time, he took a hit, which turned into a sack, which he almost got injured. So you don't want him getting hurt 
because certainly he's Alabama's best option at QB, and uh, you know, and they want him to continue to grow. So that's one area in game management that I think Joe and Milrow needs to continue to work on. All right, uh, what's coming up Saturday afternoon? This is a huge game, obviously. I mean, it's still pretty early in the SEC schedule, but the way that uh, the way that it's uh, breaking down with Alabama and A and M being the only undefeated teams in the SEC West, the winner of this game, you know, has got a leg up, and um, it's going to be tough, Drew. I think you'll agree with me on that. I think A and M is kind of laying in wait. Uh, they had a loss; it was not a good loss, but it was outside the conference. They got handled at Miami, but inside the league. Like Alabama, they're two and zero, and they get it at home. And I think this is a really good spot on the schedule for them to host Alabama. Uh, I'm going to give them a little bit of advantage in regards to uh, where this game is falling on the schedule. Although I, as I said, I am happy Alabama got a road game under its belt. But how do you see this matchup coming up on Saturday afternoon? It's going to take Alabama's best game of the year because obviously it wasn't their best game of the year when they fell flat against Texas in the fourth quarter. Uh, they're going to have to put together four really good quarters. Uh, it's going to have to be Jalen Milrow's best game of his career. And in my opinion, he has to be the MVP of this game. He has to make good decisions. He has to have one turnover or less on the road. I think they need 300 all-purpose yards out of them. And I mean, what I mean by that is a combination of passing yards and rushing, uh, you know, 200 plus passing yards, a, a chunk, a, a chunk on the ground. Cause I think he can make plays with his feet. Um, I think he, he's, uh, came, uh, you know, account for two to three touchdowns. I still think a magic number is in the 28 to 31 point range. Uh, you know, I think he needs to make some big plays with his arm and with his legs. I think he's capable of doing that. Uh, and cause I think, and I think Tommy Rees and the offensive staff, I mean, I think they've got to kind of vary up and change up the running game a little bit. I think it needs to be a little bit different. I think there needs to be more zone read contests because I watched two quarterbacks, and, and no disrespect to Robbie Ashford, who I think is a talented athlete. He's not the athlete that Jalen Milrow is. And I watched Auburn give Georgia, the defending two-time defending national champions, a lot of trouble with misdirection and the quarterback zone read. If it's run properly, they can move it on Texas A&M. They need to make A&M have to account for Milrow in the running game because I, I think this deep front seven style is better than Mississippi State. So if they can, and they've been pretty good against the run, if they can take Chase McClellan away, and not, not completely, but if they can slow him down, then Milrow is going to have to give them, an, a, you know, another, uh, you know, uh, player to have to account for. And then I think the zone really would open up the passing game because if we remember, uh, you know, even though he had four turnovers last year uh, against A&M, Milrow also made some plays with the zone read uh, and and uh, and had his first touchdown pass too. Uh, to uh, Jermaine Burton. And Burton's got to be a bigger part of things. He didn't play much Saturday. Uh, he's made some big plays early. They've got to get the receivers involved. Uh, ooh, I certainly was very impressed with Die Black on Saturday. We need to see more of that. But, again, I think Alabama's going to have to just be more explosive, and they're going to have to stay on schedule, have to limit the negative plays. And I think the big, the big uh, way to do that is to control the line of scrimmage, but also – Jalen Milrow to have, you know, his kind of breakout game. He hasn't had it yet. He's been solid. Uh, and again, he made some mistakes against Texas, but he also made some big plays. Now he needs to make those kind of big plays in this game, but then, you know, limit the turnovers. If he can do that, then Alabama can win this game. And again, Alabama got some, you know, some bulletin board material from Anaya Smith yesterday. It should, you know, hopefully motivate this squad. It certainly would motivate me. 
if someone was basically standing there fixing to mess up my season. I, I think I would have a helmet in the rib for that guy. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, uh, yes, Smith saying that uh, he held bad, uh, ill will toward Nick Saban. What, what happened with his brother Marie Smith when he wanted to transfer from Alabama to, to, uh, to Georgia. And, uh, as you said, he said he was going to wreck Saban's season. So, so we will, we will see. I want to ask you about the A&M's offense and the quarterback situation. They were so high on, on, um, Connor Wigman and, and he's talented, no doubt about it. He goes down, unfortunately for him, with an injury. But I think they're a better offense with Max Johnson from what I've seen. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. He's really cool, calm, and collected back there. And, um, you know, in terms of the young man that got hurt, you're disappointed. But if you're an A&M fan, it's, it's, it really appears to be addition by subtraction. I think they're a better offense with, uh, with Max Johnson at quarterback, unfortunately for Alabama. Uh, what do you say? I mean, I, I, it's hard to say. I mean, I just think they're fortunate they have an experienced backup. You know, and Max was played against Alabama both at at uh, at, uh, at Texas A and M and at LSU, especially LSU. He started a game and played extensively against Alabama. You know, just a couple of years ago. Um, the thing is, I think Connor Wegman he had thrown for over 300 yards per game before he got injured uh, in that game uh, in the, where they uh, had to. Uh, you know, kind of gutted out a couple of weeks ago uh, against Auburn. Now, he and it ended up being a season-ending injury, uh, but his numbers were really good. Even in the loss to Miami, he played well. So I don't know if I'm ready to completely say they're a better team. I just think they have one of the better, you know, quarterback situations in the country because they had an experienced guy waiting in the wings. Uh, that, that, you know, Wegman won the job, but it was a true competition. So, I think, you know, uh, you know, Texas A&M has been very fortunate there. I think the big key, Alabama's got to take Le'Veon Moss away. He's a former Alabama commitment from the state of Louisiana. He's really played well in the, in the uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, and, uh, really he started to become their number one back. I know Ruben Owens, the talented freshman, uh, but they've got to do a, a Alabama's got to do a good job of, of slowing the rundown. And then they just, the pass rush has got nine sacks the last two weeks. They got to heat up Max. The one good thing is Max is a, a pretty good athlete, but he's not a dynamic dual threat kind of guy. Uh, so they've got to affect him. They've got to pressure him, and they've got to force some turnovers. And if they can do that, they can win the game. Certainly, uh, you know Texas A&M beat Alabama there two years ago, 41-38, and had a lot of success last year. Relatively, uh, Haynes King played the majority of the way, had, did some good things, but Alabama was able to make enough plays to win the game and. Certainly, uh, if it's right now, it's not a pick but it's close to it. I think the last I saw Alabama was a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So everybody's expecting a close game. But Alabama's kicking game with Will Reichert and, and James Burnup could end up, uh, you know, being the difference in this thing if the offense holds up there in the deal. I think the defense will keep Alabama in the game, but it's going to come down to a couple things. It's going to come down to Alabama being able to make some big plays offensively, uh, win the turnover battle, and then, uh, you know, again, I think Jalen uh, Milrow having his best game. Drew Armand with us talking uh, Bama and, and A&M. Obviously, I mentioned it earlier, Drew, the – the importance of this game it, it's it's a two-game swing i mean you've got the two teams that are undefeated uh in the sec west the winner uh in essence would have a a two-game lead over the other team because they would have to they would have to lose they would have to lose twice they would have to lose twice uh, so how do you see 
I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted. Got something going on here in the studio. Uh, but anyway, it, it's it's a huge game because it's the next one. But it's it's kind of a double, as as Jimbo said yesterday, it's kind of a double whammy. It's not just an SEC game; it's an SEC West game, and it's the two undefeated teams. Well, it is. It's a huge swing game. I mean, it's a huge game for Dirt Neck because he's you know he he would uh, have beaten Saban two years in a row, and everybody would uh, you know, or excuse me, two out of three. That's what I meant to say. He would have won two out of three times. He would certainly brag about that to his boosters and then probably go choke the next game away. But still, I mean, certainly if he wins this game, it's going to be big for him. They're going to be in the driver's seat because everybody knows for 12 years since they've been in the league, they have not gone to the SD championship game. Um, they, they would still have LSU to play, and that's certainly formidable. Uh, but they would have already, uh, you know, dispatched Alabama and Auburn uh, on the schedule. And so – and Alabama is still a big swing game for A&M. And, and Alabama's had a lot of success against A&M historically since they came back to the league. Uh, but Jimbo, you know, since he came into the SEC, I mean, he's they've gotten progressively better from the standpoint of against Alabama because they knocked him off. And last year, I mean, you'd have to say uh, they nearly knocked him off again. But, of course, if Bryce Young is healthy, I think it's a much different game. But, again, you can say you're one play away. They were inside the five-yard line. So, again, he's competed well. Their recruiting has definitely been good. Uh, that's what makes this a dangerous game because I felt like going into last week that Alabama had the significant talent advantage, even though Mississippi State was, ex- was experienced. I felt like Alabama had the clear talent advantage. That's not the case with this one. I think A&M can, ever, can look at Alabama in the eye every bit as much. It's going to come down to Alabama out-coaching and out-executing them. Can Alabama put together a, a good enough plan? Can they vary things up on offense, give A&M a different look, and can they out-coach Jimbo? Because I don't think Jimbo's a great coach anymore, but he has great players. And sometimes the great players make coaches. And so this will be a significant challenge. And if Alabama can win this game, I think they set themselves up to make a run. Because you look at the schedule, the way it's setting up, certainly Arkansas is struggling a little bit. You got them next week at home. And then there will be no shortage of motivation for the puke orange coming into Bryant Denny Stadium the next week. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, around the SEC, Drew, and uh, you and I have had this discussion already. It's still a good league. There's no doubt about it. It's still a, it's still a premier conference, but it doesn't seem to be maybe as strong as it's been in the past based on what we're seeing from other conferences and what the SEC's done outside of the league. And you've got Georgia, who uh, is going for three in a row. You can't change that, and they're unbeaten. But, man, they had their hands full uh, at Auburn, and they look like a team that while a good football team uh, and they've got a favorable schedule. Uh, they don't appear to be this juggernaut that's that's a notch above everybody else the way it was perceived going into the season, at least to me. Well, I mean, they're not, uh, you know, dominant right now, but their win reminds me of a lot of Nick Saban's teams in the past, and they're going to get better as the season goes on. I think they were a workmanlike performance. When the pressure was on, they made the plays. Certainly Auburn had a great plan. Uh, I thought Hugh Freeze and his staff had them ready, but they just don't have the dudes right now. Their their wide receiver core is not very good. Uh, their their quarterback play, quite frankly, hasn't been great. So, I, but I thought Hugh did a great job of putting together a plan uh, to to where they would uh, that they that you, they were going to be dangerous. They they had they they, they threw everything they could at Auburn and or excuse me at, at against Georgia. Auburn did it at home. They had a great crowd. They had a good plan. Uh, they got some breaks because they allowed them to hang around in the game. 
But in the end, they didn't have Brock Bowers, who's the best football player in the country. I don't care what Dennis Dufus and some of these other national idiots say. who probably try to say, well, tight end can't be full crap. He's the best player in the country. He, he won't win the Heisman because they're not smart enough to vote for him because there's all these preconceived notions about everything. But he's the best player in America. He's a money player, and he's the only reason that, uh, that Georgia, quite frankly, escaped in that game because he was the best player on the field. So, again, but I, I credit Georgia's staff for going to him repeatedly uh, and, and finding him in the second half. They knew they were in a dogfight at halftime. No pun intended. I mean, it's 10 to 10. Uh, you're, you're trading punches. And they, they knew that they had to get in the football, and they did. And I just credit Georgia for, uh, you know, coming out on top. I, I don't think there's a dominant team in the SEC right now. Matter of fact, going into last weekend, I thought LSU might be the best team. And then Pete Golding Jr. turned out to be their defensive coordinator. <laughs> what a game. Crazy game. All right, Drew, in, uh, in, in recapping A&M and Alabama, how do you see it playing out on Saturday? Well, I mean, I think Alabama's going to have to win a 28-24, 27-24 type game. You know, might get into the low 30s, could be a 31-28 type game, but I think it's going to be a tight one. I think there's going to have to be plays made on each side. I think, again, Alabama, you know, some of the magic numbers for me is, again, that 28-point, 27-28-point mark for Alabama. Uh, winning the turnover battle, I think they need to rush for at least 150, 160 yards as a team because I don't think 200 – they might get 200 if they make some explosive runs, but that's going to be tougher against A&M. It's going to come down to can Alabama make some explosive plays in the passing game? Uh, can they do? Can they run some bootlegs? Can they do some things to DJ Durkin's defense that we haven't seen? Uh, because I think they're they're definitely going to load the box up and challenge Jalen Milrow, and it's going to be up to him to be able to get them checked in different plays and to avoid negative ones. And if Alabama can, you know, can keep the penalties down to like three or four uh, and if they can uh you know not beat themselves and if they can win the turnover battle then i think they can win a close one but it's going to be a dog fight no doubt about it all right drew quick basketball note we were expecting this uh, but since we've talked alabama did uh, land a Commit from uh, commitment from five star center Aiden Sherrill for 2024 a guy that's uh you know 6'10 6'11 versatile Seems to fit this system that NATO's runs perfectly, can play around the basket, has a mid-range game, and yeah, can even go out and shoot to three. How big a pickup is that? Oh, it was huge. I mean, he's a five-star talent. He's a stretch five that they spent a long time recruiting. Ryan Hodgson did a lot of it, but, you know, Preston Murphy came in and continued the process. And, you know, Texas came in with a big NIL offer and then the, and the, and the, you know, the G League Ignite. So they had to, had to navigate some things, but they were in, they were in control for most of it. Uh, and they were able to get him committed. Now, you know, they, they, they turned it to like Darion Reed. He's the next guy to kind of watch, I think, in October. Uh, another five-star talent and his, and his uh, teammate at Prolific Prep. And then I know, uh, Coach Murphy and, uh, Coach, no, Coach Oates were in to see Boogie Bland yesterday from PSA over in New York City. He's maybe the best point guard in the country and it's Alabama, Kentucky and Indiana and Alabama and Kentucky, I think are the two favorites. So, they're big game hunting. I mean, they're in there with Asa Newell, too, even though I think Asa, uh, Georgia, with his brother being there, might hold the edge. But they're definitely in there with Asa Newell also, another five-star forward. And I would watch Tyler Betsy from the state of Connecticut as well. I think they're heavily involved with him. And, and uh, you know, they're also involved with, uh, you know, uh, uh, with uh, Richardson, uh, you know, uh, uh, from uh, the uh, point guard of the combo guard from Florida, Jace Richardson. So I think they're uh, they, they're going to sign a really good class. I think they'd like to sign up to four guys in November, and 
when it's all said and done, the dust settles. I think they got a chance to have a top five group, but we'll see. Uh, but certainly, uh, Nate Oates and the basketball program, the recruiting is going very, very well. Indeed, it is. And practice is here, and we're going to play in just a few weeks. Uh, <laughs> hard to believe. All right, uh, Drew, awesome uh, stuff as always. Uh, and tell people where they can find you. Uh, they can find me at Drew D977 ESPN. Also, our uh, station account on 977 ESPN. Also, talking ball, uh, you know, we are going to be Monday through Friday as always from 7 to 9 a.m. Uh, and of course, we're going to be making appearances also on our, uh, on our, uh, it's the newest show to our lineup. We'll be made, we'll be on three days a week, uh, when it comes to, uh, the, uh, the uh, morning blitz on 97.7 the zone as well from 9 to 10. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to a lot of uh, great conversation on 97.7 the zone. And we always appreciate being a part of the Gary Harris show. Thank you, Drew. Have a great day. Thank you. All right, 952, we'll take a break and come back and wrap up hour number one of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM. It's being brought to you. This first hour is by Alabama Credit Union. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m., the Martin Houston Show. Join us tomorrow for a hump day edition of the show as we'll talk about I want to see more. What is it that you want to see Alabama do more of? We'll look inside the playbook. We'll also look at keys to victory as we look at Alabama versus Texas A&M. And we'll have the Harvest Church Christian Moment of the Week with Scotty Holland. That and more on the Martin Houston Show. Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. I was diagnosed. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays unseasonably warm today. The sky mostly sunny. Tuscaloosa's high 89. Clear tonight with the low at 61. Tomorrow and Thursday, we stay dry. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. For Alabama sports, Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 9.56, winding it down for hour number one. And uh, you heard me say when I was interviewing uh, Drew that it got, I got a little... Um, we, had a lot, we always have a lot going on here. We got a bunch of radio stations. This is a whole cluster of stations up here and we got a lot of stuff going on. But, uh, you know, I mentioned the great print that we gave away last week. Well, our winner, uh, lives down in Florida and, uh, Matthew Christian, he had his, uh, uncle Doug come by to pick up the print and Doug was in the building and, and, uh, so I was trying to help him out and, uh, gonna get, uh, we didn't get pictures justin with the first few winners that we had this year but i was able to get a picture with him put it out on social media and as i said got another big special gift gift coming up on friday from t-town menswear and t-town gallery in the university mall all right it's gonna wrap it up for hour number one it's been brought to you by alabama credit union member owned and not for profit it's just a better way of banking find out more at alabamacu.com hour number two we got the titans report with kayla anderson at 10 15 we're going to hear some clips from nick saban and then in the final segment, we'll have Jimbo Fisher's press conference for you as Justin is going to take you home uh, in the final segment this morning as I've got to get out of here a little bit early to get to a dental appointment. And uh, but we got a great second hour coming up right here on Tide 100.9 FM, your home for Alabama sports. Football. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Woo! Win cash every weekday 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. One, two, zero. Again, that's one, two, zero. The code is one, two, zero. 
Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Northport Mayor John Hinton is crediting teamwork by the city council for the city being in good shape midway through their term in office. He says the city is attracting new residents, businesses, and restaurants. Stillman College is hosting National Night Out on campus tonight. The free event will bring community and responders together between 4 and 8 p.m. As promised, the Black Warrior Riverkeeper and Friends of Hurricane Creek have joined a lawsuit claiming the city of Tuscaloosa for years has allowed raw sewage to overflow into the river and tributaries. Latest local news in Tuscaloosa. Bama Sports Updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama Sports, and Sports Director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show, presented by Diet Pepsi, on your home for Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour number two, the Gary Harris Show, right here on Tide 100.9 FM. I'm your host, Gary Harris. Justin Jones is manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. Another hour to go here on the program. This hour being brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. Patterson Comer, dedicated to serving our clients. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. Our business is to take care of your legal needs. So you can call Paul Patterson in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000 or Mike Comer in Northport at 205-759-3939. If you're involved in an automobile accident, personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, or an 18-wheeler accident, this is the law firm for you. Local with feet on the ground. The commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. Visit PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right. Uh, phone lines are open. The First Domain Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. The Titans report with Kayla Anderson coming up in the next segment. And... Um, I always look forward to that. And also, um, we're going to have the Jimbo Fisher Monday press conference from out at A&M for you in the final segment today. Right now, Justin, let's get to some Nick Saban clips and uh, from his press conference on Monday. And uh, did you shoot me over the clips yet? All right, he's going to shoot them over to me here so I can pull them out, what we like to do. And rather, you know, they play the press conference several times, but we like to pick out clips from what Saban had to say on Monday. You want to just start with his opening comments? Yeah, go ahead and run his opening comments. That's what I always start with anyway, and then you can get me the clips sent over. We're going to, This is uh, Nick Saban's opening comments from Monday at the Mount Moore Athletic Complex. Good. Well, um, I think that you know, once we got going um, in the Mississippi State game, we played a lot better. You know, we had some early you know, bumps in the road uh, on offense that were drive stoppers again, but once we got sort of past that, I thought we executed and played pretty well. I think Jalen settled down on the game and, you know, played well. 
And defensively, you know, we played, um, except for a couple spurts in the game where I thought we lost our intensity a little bit, you know, played pretty well, made some improvement. Um, so, you know, we need to build on the things that we're doing well. We need to eliminate. Um, and it's kind of like, when do you say enough is enough when it comes to, you know, some of these things that we're doing to shoot ourselves in the foot, which are easily correctable. Uh, we need to get them corrected. Um, you know, we're playing a really good team this week. So it's going to be really important. I think that, um, you know, they're playing as well as they played all season long. They've gotten better and better, better since, you know, the early game. And, um, you know, they got a lot of good players. Uh, they're really good on defense. Jimbo does a really good job with them on offense. Uh, they got some really good skilled players. So it's going to be really important for us to have the kind of intensity that we need to have throughout the week in practice. You know, it's almost like, hey, we're going to challenge you this week in practice um, because it's going to be hard in the game. And um, you need to be locked in all week long and you need to be ready for the challenge that you're going to get when you play against a good team on the, ro- on the road in a really tough environment. So, you know, this team is... You know, leading the conference in defense. Uh, they're very good up front on defense. Uh, very difficult to run the ball against. And, you know, they score a lot of points. And, you know, the combination of those two things make them a really, really good team. So uh, this is going to be a real challenge for us. Indeed it is. It's going to be a huge challenge. We'll get back to some Nick Saban clips. Let's break away from the coach right now, though, and jump out on the first domain condos hotline. And that's where we find our pal Joseph. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Gary. What's up? You're in a good mood. Oh yeah, I'm always in a good mood, man. That gum, uh, I mean, I'm alive and I'm ticking, so that's, that's the reason to be in a good mood. I hear you. What you got for me? Well, man, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think this game's gonna come down to Jalen Barrow, man. To be honest with you, can he make? Can he make the throws? Can he make the accurate reads? Can he? Can he do all that? I think it's what this game's gonna come down to. Um, I, I think the offensive line holds up. I think that uh, Jimbo Fisher and some of them are going to try to bait him in throws like Texas Longhorns done. And I, I just kind of think that's how this game's going to go. And um, and if he can't make the throws, then, you know, well, you know the outcome, what the outcome's going to be. Well, you know, oftentimes quarterback play is uh, obviously very important. I, I think that uh, A&M's a good team. I, I think that Milrow could play in the game, play well in the game. And A&M could still win. I think A&M's a good enough team that, uh, you know, you could play well and they could still beat you at home. Obviously, um, you know, quarterback play is important. If he plays poorly in the game, it's going to, you know, make it tougher for Alabama to win. If he plays well, they should have a better chance. But, um, you know, we've seen teams here before where the quarterback played well and they've lost. I mean, it doesn't always come down to just the, how the quarterback plays. The defense is going to have to uh, to play well. I mean, it's going to take a total team effort, Joseph. It's not going to be just one guy at any position well, that's going to decide the outcome, in my opinion. It's going to be it's going to be across the board, uh, lines of scrimmage, uh, kicking game. Uh, so there'll be a, you know, can Alabama run the ball? So there's a, there's a lot that uh, is going to come down to this. But yeah, clearly the quarterback, he touches the ball, you know, basically on every snap and he needs to play Milro needs to play well in the game 
Well, what I think, I think if he throws two or three picks, man, we lose the game. Well, you know, you know that's that's usually the case. You know, I mean, you don't want to throw throw interceptions. You know, hopefully he won't. He didn't turn the ball over at all against Mississippi State. He had one interception in the first half against Ole Miss. So he's had one interception and, and no lost fumbles in the last two games in the SEC. So I think he's playing really well. He went 17 to 21 against Ole Miss. He went 10 to 12 against Mississippi State. Um, you know, that's uh, what is that? 27 to 31 total, uh, or 27 to 33 total or something like that. So, um, you know, he's making throws. Uh, obviously, you know, he can use his legs. So, you know, we hope he plays well. And I, I think that, uh, you know, I have a feeling he's going to play well in the game. Well, Gary, you know, like I know, he's not a Tua or a Mac or a Bryce Young. You know, you know, because they were doing stuff way earlier in their career than this kid's doing. I mean, Tua in the national championship game, or he's not a two or a Mac Jones or a Bryce Young. I think we've established that a long time ago. I don't know. I don't know how that's even an issue now. Of course he's not. He's a different kind of quarterback. He's not a. He's not a pure passer. He's a. He's a dual threat. He's a guy who has unbelievable athletic ability. So I mean, that's not a. When you make a statement like that, that's not. That's not. Uh, anything that that's enlightening us we understand he's not one of those guys but he's the best quarterback for this team and that's you know that's what my focus is on uh my focus is on this team it's not about what Tua did or Mac did or Bryce Young did it's about what uh Jalen Milrow can do and, and with this team and that's um you know that's what we're trying to figure out and I'm happy with how the guy's playing I I I look at what he's done the last two games and I don't know you know People find things to to criticize him for. I think he's played really well. I thought I was at the Mississippi State game. I thought the guy played great. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to look at who we're playing too now, Gary. I mean, Mississippi State they don't have the athletes to stay on the field with, and yeah. and neither do, and, and neither did Ole Miss. I mean, well, I mean Ole, Miss just beat, Ole Miss just beat LSU, the team that most people have said that uh, is is picked to win the SEC West. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. If he beats Texas A and M, I'm sure the next time they play an SEC game, you'll say that that team's going to be a bigger challenge. I mean, you keep what? moving the goalpost every time they win a game. Uh, you know, you you discredit the victory that they just had. That Ole Miss game was a big win. Going into that game, there were a lot of people picking Ole Miss to win that game. You know it. And they won that game, and he played well in the game. And there were people that said this is a tough road challenge, his first ever road start. And they went over there and they won forty to seventeen. So if they win, if they win Saturday, I'm sure you'll call up next week and you'll have a criticism as to why he won't be able to beat LSU or Tennessee or the next. You're just waiting for the guy to lose a game. I know what you're doing. And as soon as he loses a game, you're going to call in and you're going to say he's terrible. So I mean, I know, I know what you're doing. I mean, and that's your right. And you know, I encourage you to call in. I've never said you can't call in, but that's what you're doing. You're just waiting for the Alabama to lose a game with Jalen Milrow as the quarterback so you can call in and criticize him. Why don't you just be honest about it? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. If he beats Texas A&M, I'm going to have to give the man his credit now because Texas A&M is a pretty dang good team. Well, you ought to be giving him credit for being no Miss. <laughs> you know, you ought to be giving him credit for what he's done so far. I mean, uh, but yeah, if he beats A&M, I mean, but the next time when they play a big game, you're going to find a reason because, I mean, you know, you just don't like the guy as a quarterback. I mean, it's just obvious. So, um that's kind of where we're at. If he beats Texas A&M at Texas A&M, I'm going to give the man his credit. All right. I, 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 All right. Man. Well, we'll be, we'll be, 
will be. But you know, if he plays well and they still don't win the game, you can't you can't put that on him. So we'll see what happens. You know, it's it's gonna like I said, I think it's gonna take a team effort, Joseph. I don't think it's gonna come down just to quarterback play. And uh, but hopefully he'll he'll play well and Alabama goes out there and, and if they're able to win that game, it will be a big win. All of them are, of course, to me, all of them are big. Anytime you want a game in the SEC, it's a big one. I'll be honest with you, I think this is the last big test for us, to be honest with you. I think if we win this one, we'll be on cruise control to the SEC title game. Because I don't, I don't believe there's nobody else out there that can beat us. I really don't. Because after watching LSU, they don't have a defense. I mean, after watching Tennessee, they're, they're playing horrible. Yeah. I mean, after, I, I mean, after, I mean, the only other team that may we slip up against, maybe at Auburn. But other than that, I think if we beat this A&M team, I think we've got a good shot to get to Atlanta. I right, really do. They'll certainly be in the driver's seat, no doubt about it. The winner of this game is going to be in the driver's seat for Atlanta. There'll still be work to do, but they'll have a they'll have a big edge. Hey, appreciate it, Joseph. Uh, all right, man. That's defense to keep us in any game. All right, buddy. I hope so. All right, it is ten uh, twelve here on the Gary Harris Show, and uh, coming up in the next segment, we've got um, a Titans report with Kayla Anderson. I'm really happy that the Titans, after looking so awful against the Browns were able to bounce back and really beat their nemesis the Cincinnati Bengals a team that they've struggled with and did it in uh in really dominant fashion hey before we go to the break though I want to talk to you about my friends Jeff Knox the CEO and the good folks at the YMCA of Tuscaloosa outstanding organization I was in there yesterday working out man it it's, uh, looks great they've got an outdoor workout area they've got uh, the wellness center and uh, I just love the place and I'm glad to be back in there working out on a regular basis I always try to stay active but uh, to be back in the Y and to be back uh Getting after it is uh, is a good deal. And I want to remind you, too, that group exercise classes are – that's a way that a lot of people are going. They want to work out in a group environment. And, boy, I look at the calendar for the YMCA for the month of October, and, man, they've got so much stuff going on. Hybrid fitness – Hit boxing, body sculpting, Y cycle, Parkinson's boxing. I mean, X Factor boot camp, Zumba, uh, functional fit, fit forever, barbell 101, morning mobility, power chair, chair circuit, dance and burn, Pilates, XYZ, Y strong, yoga flow. I mean, <laughs> there's something for Everybody at the YMCA with the group classes, man. I mean, you can find whatever it is that makes you feel good about yourself through the YMCA and their group exercise class program. All right, we'll be back with uh, Kayla Anderson and the Titans Report next right here on the Gary Harris Show. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients at Patterson Comer. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays unseasonably warm today. The sky mostly sunny, Tuscaloosa's high 89. Clear tonight with the low at 61. Tomorrow and Thursday, we stay dry. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 
1017 here on the Gary Harris Show. Welcome back in. It's time for the Tennessee Titans report with Kayla Anderson from uh, Ramon, Kayla, and Will, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, also an Emmy-winning television sports anchor and uh, breaks down the Titans for us very well every week. And we know, Justin and Kayla, it's the NFL where number 32 can beat number one, so a week can make a huge difference in how an NFL team feels about uh, where it's at. And certainly that's the case, Kayla, for the Titans. They got... Uh, Handled in Cleveland, twenty-seven to three, less than a hundred yards of offense. I mean, just it was horrible. You broke it down last week, so you come back home to Nashville to play your nemesis, the Cincinnati Bengals, and what happens? Tannehill throws for two forty. Henry rushes for one hundred twenty-two and a touchdown. Throws a touchdown. Hopkins has sixty-three yards in reception, and they manhandle the Bengals twenty-seven to three. And now they're two and two in the week AFC South and. It's a whole different vibe. I'm taking it there at the Titans complex. I'm telling you, what a week uh, in terms of a difference, right? And what your product is out there on the field. And this is the NFL right now. It's a roller coaster ride. And I'm telling you, they're not the only teams that have fans pulling out their hair saying, what team are we going to get this week? Um, and it is still early in the season, but I think this is the week you really start to have to find some consistency in play. Um, and speaking about the Titans specifically, because you just said it, Gary, they, they head up to Indianapolis this weekend for their first AFC South um, battle of the year. And right now in a division that is just kind of weird, to say the least, uh, they've got to establish dominance from the start um, in terms of AFC South play, and they've got to do that and handle the Colts, who what they've done a really good job at in the past several years, mind you, um, after Andrew Luck finally got out of their hair. So I think it is an interesting situation for the Titans because you saw this past week what they're capable of, um, not so much on defense because I think we we know they can play solid defense. We've seen that in the past from them. I would say the Browns game was a letdown in terms of their defensive play, but on offense, uh, you saw a little bit of it in the Chargers game that Tim Kelly got into his bag a little bit and mixed things up, but really in this game, uh, I thought, first of all, it was the, the best first half I've seen from them in a while in terms of offensive performances. They scored three touchdowns in the second quarter within like six minutes um that has not happened in a long time and so i think it was just a good mixture of utilizing derrick henry like you mentioned mm-hmm. um with the 122 uh, finally breaking you know 100 yards this season and then just getting into you know your bag of tricks using derrick henry again um with that little flea flicker his fourth touchdown of his nfl career which he had a lot of fun with um and I must say, executes very, very well. Um, and then, you know, you, you go to the rookie tight end, Josh Wiley, on that play. Somebody who we haven't seen a whole lot of this season, the tight end. And uh, he's utilized in that situation for his first NFL career touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins coming up big with that 38-yard catch that I really think um, pinned the Bengals' ears back um, from that point on. And then... You talked about Joe Burrow and having to take advantage of that bum calf, and that's exactly what this defense did. The defense got to him. It might not have been a a, a crazy amount of sacks, but they disturbed him, right? They got their hands up. Um, They 
made him pretty much from the start of the game after that first drive squirm. And at some point, Gary, I even thought they were going to take Joe Burrow out just to preserve him a little because he just looked awful. Yeah, uh, he's struggling right now. But uh, like you said, kudos to the Titans defense for, for taking advantage of it. Something, too, on the offensive side, because I, I'm with you. I think the Titans defense is going to be solid. They're going to be solid the whole year. The offense, I think, is going to dictate how this team goes. And and it's clear that when Tannehill has – it doesn't have to be great, but when he just plays well and has a good game, this Tennessee offense has a chance to flourish. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the thing. I, we've been talking about this for a while now. Um, you know, you, you've got the offensive line, like it all starts with. And by the way, the offensive line is still not completely whole because they've been missing standout rookie um, left guard Peter Skronsky for the past two games because of that um, appendectomy and he's recovering from that surgery. He'll be back. Um, or supposed to be probably this weekend, which will be good to see. Um, so you've not even had him in there, uh, but you know they held up incredibly well in the run game, um, which then kind of allowed some situations for play action for Ryan Tannehill, who who continues to be really good when it comes to that, and they can finally get in a flow. Um, but it all starts up front, mm-hmm. and if they can just hold up at a, a mediocre kind of, um, I guess, you know, performance, that's all they really need because they just they just can't do what they did in, against the Browns um, and obviously that first game against the Saints. But being a mediocre line, I, I think you can do some things with that, especially with creativity from Tim Kelly that he's really starting to show. Um, I think the line's only going to improve more, which is going to only help Ryan Tannehill, which is only going to help the run game because you have to have that still. You have to have Derrick Henry be able to be successful on the ground to open up things for Ryan Tannehill, um, which might, might I add, Ryan Tannehill has been incredible at like being able to play fake. Like I think he's one of the best there is in terms of quarterbacks. He, he executes that brilliantly. You mentioned it. This is listen. This is the AFC South. Everybody's at five hundred, and it wouldn't shock anybody that if going into week seventeen, everybody's two and two now. If everybody was eight and eight, I mean, you're just looking at this at this division. But this is a huge game uh, for the Titans uh, at at Indianapolis. It's a winnable game. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I don't know the status of of, of the quarterback for the Colts if he's going to be able to go or not. But uh, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, Anthony Richardson, uh, definitely, uh, from all accounts, unless he gets, you know, hurt again in practice or something, he is going to play. Um, he did play last week. Uh, obviously, Gardner Minshew was in for him the week before. Um, here's the thing about Anthony Richardson, which might I add, the Colts actually, uh, Colts quarterback met with the Titans during the draft process, and the Titans really liked him. Um, said just uh, carried himself well, really were impressed by, obviously, the athleticism. But, Gary, as we've seen so far this season in the small sample size, he's still inaccurate. And, and that was the biggest kind of knock on him coming out of the draft is the inaccuracy. Um, we didn't see a ton of him at Florida in terms of that. We know he's a heck of an athlete and he can run with the ball, but that's opening him up also for, you know, injuries. Uh, that's just, it, it is what it is. 
Here's the biggest thing, Gary, with this team this week. Jonathan Taylor returned to practice or will return to practice this week. He came off the pup list. Now, if they get him kind of going in terms of the run game and maybe can help out Anthony Richardson a little bit, that should be a, a, a different type of product. Um, and I don't know if they're going to see that fully on Sunday. Maybe the Titans will miss that in their first outing with them. But um, so far, it's been the Titans who have dominated that Colts team. Uh, like I said, ever since Andrew Luck left, departed, they have dominated that team. And that scares me a bit because this is the time where you've got to try to keep that chip on your shoulder. Keep that Browns chip on your shoulder. I don't know what you do, but, but come in, you know, thinking always you're the underdog. I think that's the Titans motto they they play the best when they're angry when Mike Vrabel is angry um when he feels defeated and that's what they've got to do going up there this week um you, you can't overlook the fact that he's a, a rookie you've got to take that seriously because you've never seen him before either he can do some some different things he can use his legs um but I just think you need to keep that same mentality as you know we're the underdogs Kayla Anderson, uh, the Titans report, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL overall. In the AFC, through four weeks, there are no unbeaten teams. Two in the NFC with the Eagles and, and the 49ers. We talk all the time about the parity, but it it really is obvious that there's as much parity, and, and there always is parity in the NFL. But this year, week to week, I mean, it's just hard to get a feel for a lot of these teams, I, I think. Kayla, would you agree? I would agree, and I will say this because we do our power rankings every morning on uh, Ramon, Kalen, well, every Tuesday mornings, I should say. And 49ers have kind of been my consistent force at number one because I really do feel like overall they um, have the most balanced team, right, on both sides of the ball. And I was just looking for Brock Purdy to prove it, and I think he's done enough to prove that he can manage a team well enough with all the other weapons. Um, so they're kind of been, they could have been my most consistent force. But when you look at everybody else, uh, Miami Dolphins, who completely schooled Denver, um, which is not a good team, but it put that many points up on Denver and then goes to Buffalo and can only put up 20 points and really can't handle the Bills at all. And so you're thinking, well, what is, I thought this Miami team was like a force. Uh, maybe not. And the Bills woke up. Josh Allen played, you know, the type of ball he needs to be playing at this point of his career. I could go on and on. The Dallas Cowboys, they've got a dominant defense but can't find ways to uh, execute in the red zone really well. Can that, you know, turn its ugly, rear its ugly head later on in the season? So there's so many things that can happen still, Gary. That's what's so fascinating, and that's why I always tell fans, just keep your powder dry early on in the season because <laughs> so much can happen um, you know, it, it's a wild league, and I think that's what makes it so much fun, though. But for the Titans, man, you've got to start finding consistency. It has to happen this week, and then you're on the road in London to take on Baltimore, who is also, might, might you add, playing some pretty good football. Oh, right playing now. great. Probably ought to be undefeated. One final thought on the Titans. Uh, Tim Kelly, the offensive coordinator, um, 
again, when it works, it always looks good. You and I both know that. <laughs> when you have, but it did seem like the game plan and the way they schemed it up against the Bengals allowed it to work to some degree. There was a lot of innovation there, a lot of things where they got guys isolated in space and got Henry involved. And, uh, you know, what's the feeling right now on, on Tim Kelly and the job that he is doing getting this offense uh, geared up after a horrible performance against the Browns? I think a lot of fans, you know, as they've been discouraged at times because of the lack of offense during the Browns game, I don't think there's actually been as much criticism on actually Tim Kelly and what he's doing, right? You can see he's still trying to find the magic um, recipe, I, I guess you should, should say, the, the perfect kind of, you know, play calling every single game. It's never going to be perfect, but I think the more comfortable he gets in terms of a flow, that's what you're really looking for. And that's why I think you really started to see that happen against the Bengals this past Sunday in terms of the flow of play calling. And I think you're still going to have to see some some, some, um, creativity will have to continue. But the more and more he gets comfortable with that, you know, in terms of being the play caller and doing the things and being um, confident in what he's doing. And the players, let's not forget, they have to execute, Gary. That's that's the most important thing. I don't think any individual player played well against the Browns. I think they all looked themselves in the mirror before this game against the Bengals and said, we got to all play better individually, first and foremost, you know, before we look good as a group. And I think that the players took that to heart and did that. Um, and executed the uh, game plan extremely well. All right, great stuff, Kayla, as always. And uh, I've had several people mention to me how much they enjoy the segment and have even uh, said that they've tuned into your show. So give them uh, the uh, information on how to listen to Ramon, Kayla, and Will. And also you can uh, hand out the Twitter address while you're at it as well, or X, I keep saying it, Twitter, Twitter slash X, whatever it is, you know. I, I do too, Gary. And thank you all for, um, you know, your input. That is uh, really nice of you guys. I, at Kayla Anderson TV on X slash Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, Ramon, Kayla, and Will, if you're not able to catch us in the morning, you can always check out the podcast anytime. Um, that is up on anywhere that you find your podcast. So really appreciate y'all and, um, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Kayla. Have a great day. All right. It's 1031 here on the Gary Harris show and, uh, want to mention to you uh, my good friends at uh, Brick and Spoon and I'm still going to get Justin over there it's just his schedule doesn't really jive too much but uh, breakfast brunch and lunch you can't beat it downtown Timerson Square I'm in there a lot uh, when you're in there Ask about the Gary Harris special. They'll get a kick out of it. It's something that I've come up with. It's a strawberry pancake with uh, two eggs scrambled with cheese, uh, sliced banana, and either uh, sausage or bacon. Uh, they might get a kick out of that. So you heard Gary Harris on the radio talking about the Gary Harris special. And you might even want to try it. I mean, it's great. They have the best pancakes in town. But I like to get it with the pancake, two strawberry marmalades, sliced strawberries, and some whipped cream. <laughs> it's kind of a dessert pancake, but it's it's really, really good. And then I get the protein with uh, with the eggs and the sausage or the bacon. And I like to get that sliced banana, too. You know, so it's uh, it's kind of a neat uh, item. But I, I bet they'll get a kick next time you're in Brick and Spoon. Say, hey, I heard uh, Gary Harris talking about the Gary Harris special. Maybe I want to try that or, or tell me more about it. And uh, they'll probably get a, get a laugh out of that. Brick and Spoon, downtown at Timerson Square. All right, we're going to be back uh, with phone calls on the First of Main Condos Hotline, 205. 
205-342-9904 if you want to give us a ring and also get back to those Nick Saban clips. And then I'm going to be leaving out a segment early today because i got to get a dentist appointment, get the old teeth clean. But uh, Justin will be with you in the final segment, and he'll have that Jimbo Fisher press conference from yesterday out in College Station. So we'll be back right after this. Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten thirty-six. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Hey, when you need your carpet and upholstery cleaned or other cleaning services, there's only one outfit to call. That's Houston Hydrasteam. 39 years in business, locally owned, locally operated, and 39 years. Jackie Houston and his folks, you don't stay in business for that long unless you do it right. They've got all the um, equipment needed to do your carpet and upholstery cleaning, oriental rug cleaning. They can do residential, commercial, take care of water damage, deodorize, fabric protection, tile and grout cleaning as well, which is very important. And they've got emergency service available. You can give them a call to find out more at 205-553-9460 or looking them up online at HoustonHydrasteam.com. That's HoustonHydrasteam.com. All right, let's get back to our Nick Saban clips and uh, the coach meeting with the media yesterday. We ran his opening comments uh, just a little bit earlier, and uh, we got time for a few more clips in this uh, in this segment. And uh, as I said, I got to pull them up on my phone. It's hard to see them on my phone, so let me get them zoomed in here. All right, let's get to um, a question that was asked. That's kind of interesting to me. Is um, Jihad Campbell, who uh, is a young player but very talented at inside linebacker, and uh, getting the start. And of course, uh, without Deontay Lawson, it's very important that the inside linebackers play well. Here's Nick Saban on Jihad Campbell. Yeah, well, we practice it all week. Um, discipline, eye control, is one of the most important things in playing football. And like everybody grows up watching the ball. I've talked about this before. So that's how you watch a game. But when you're playing a game, you have specific keys and things to look at. Like if the guard pulls, it doesn't matter which way the back goes. Your key says go this way. When they run a slider, you got to know when you got to fall back and when you don't. All right. So, you know, we just got to keep working and working and working on those things so that, um, and I, and I think communication you know, helps that. And, 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 you know, I, we're constantly on the secondary to communicate because if they communicate, it makes it easier for the linebackers to know what, how and when the, and what they're supposed to do. So, you know, Jihad makes a lot of plays and he's developing nicely at the position. Uh, but experience is going to be critical for him to continue to grow and develop. All right. Thank you. All right, indeed it will be, uh, but he has got the tools now. I've had some people tell me, you know, he's got uh, Micah Parsons-type ability. Now, we'll see because Micah Parsons is special, but uh, he's a good-looking football player. All right, let's uh, – speaking of inside linebackers, another really young, talented player is Jeremiah Alexander from 
Thompson High School in Alabaster and uh, brought in as an edge rusher, outside linebacker. He's now working at inside linebacker as well. And Coach Saban was asked about him. Well, I think it's something we've been considering. Um, and, you know, Jeremiah was developing nicely as a an outside backer, wasn't getting to play much. So uh, the injury kind of enhanced, you know, this is the right time to do this. Uh, and, you know, I think it, it, it could be good for us in the future. I do too. I really like Jeremiah, um, Jeremiah Alexander. He's a really good football player. All right. Um, Dallas Turner is, is, uh, well, let's stay. Let's get away from defense because I've just got a couple more minutes in this segment. Let's get to, uh, quarterback Jalen Milrow and, and a lot of talk about him holding the ball too long and things like that. He was asked, Saban was about, um, the internal clock that a quarterback needs to have and, uh, the feeling that he needs to know when to get rid of the ball and, and, uh, handle the pressure. Um, I don't know how, <laughs> how you going to deal with not having your phone. <laughs> You, you know, you're of that generation, you know, but I gotta, gotta have it. <laughs> you know, I think practice, you know, the one thing that, um, you can do in practice and get away with is not have to play with the right time clock to use your, uh, terminology in, in terms of, the rush is not going to be as quick. Um, you can hold the ball. You can try to figure things out. But then in the game, that all changes. So I think to create circumstances in practice where, you know, you have to get the ball out on time and you're constantly talking about getting the ball out on time, I think that's that's really, really important, um, you know, for guys to um, develop that sense of time clock. That, And it's the timing of the play. Uh, you know, sometimes when you hold the ball, the play's open for a second, then it closes. So you got to throw the ball on time. That's very, very important. And we got to keep working on that. All right. Uh, Miss Terry did not go to the game in Starkville. And Coach Saban said it might be the only game that she's missed. But uh, she was waiting up on him when he got home and of course we know her influence uh, as his wife but also you know her football IQ is pretty high and she always has uh, uh, a lot of advice for the coach here's uh, here's coach Saban on on Miss Terry well um, she waited up for me to get home so that was a good thing uh, but it, it was it was it was one of the first games she's missed um and didn't go to since we've been here. I think it is the first game, actually. And um, so, you know, she says she can see what's happening a lot better on TV. So I got coached up quite a bit um, when I got home. Two more to start the back. All right, we're going to get to one more clip uh, before we go to the break. And uh, let's see. All right, the snaps. Gotta, gotta run that one because it's been an issue, uh, between quarterback and, and center Milrow and, and McLaughlin. And, uh, so far they've managed it in terms of not having a disaster, but that's something that's gotta be, it's gotta be better. Here's Coach Saban on the issues with the snaps. Well, you know, we gotta have just a little better focus, I think, on the importance of the snap because this has been a pretty consistent, you know, issue where it makes it harder for the quarterback to be able to function 
when, you know, he doesn't have a dependable snap to deal with, whether he's faking, whether it's a play action pass, whether he's trying to read a coverage, because you got to take your eyes off which, what you want to be looking at to be able to catch the ball. So uh, that's something we've been working on, and we certainly need to continue to work on it and improve, no question. All right, good stuff from head coach Nick Saban. It's 1043 here on the Gary Harris Show, and I'm going to go ahead and pop out. Like I said, i got a dental appointment at 11 a.m. Justin is going to take you home in the final segment, and uh, this hour of the Gary Harris Show has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. He'll have Jimbo Fisher's press conference from College Station yesterday, or a good portion of it for you in this final segment. A reminder, I'll be back with you tomorrow morning for the Wednesday Hump Day edition at 9 a.m., And speaking of Patterson Comer, Paul Patterson will be in for a free legal advice segment tomorrow. So I'll talk to you then. Have a great day, everybody. And uh, Justin's going to be back for the final segment with Jimbo Fisher Audio. Talk to you again tomorrow. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join us tomorrow for a hump day edition of the show as we'll talk about... I want to see more. What is it that you want to see Alabama do more of? We'll look inside the playbook. We'll also look at keys to victory as we look at Alabama versus Texas A&M. And we'll have the Harvest Church Christian Moment of the Week with Scotty Holland. That and more on the Martin Houston Show. Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The weather stays unseasonably warm today. The sky mostly sunny. Tuscaloosa's high 89. Clear tonight with the low at 61. Tomorrow and Thursday, we stay dry. Lots of sunshine both days. Highs between 86 and 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Need to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel for exclusive content. On your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Uh, like Gary just said right before going into this previous break, he had to step out early for a, a dentist appointment. This is Justin Jones closing out the uh, the last segment here. We're going to get to Jimbo Fisher's press conference and his comments on the Alabama game coming up this weekend in College Station. So let's hear from Jimbo Fisher. Uh, you know, uh, part of our team, the way we competed in the game, like I said, I like this team. Uh, we're not perfect. We got a lot of room to improve in a lot of areas, but I like the demeanor. I like their competitiveness. I like their physicality, and we just keep. We're learning to play the next play and find inches and not let pass plays bother us. If it's, you know, if it's, if it's bad and if it's good, we're learning to build on those, and we're we're getting better as a football team. We got a long way to go in what we're doing, but in the game uh, Saturday, I thought you know it starts with defense. I thought we did a tremendous job of uh, containing. And a big-time quarterback, an excellent quarterback who makes throws, who scrambles, who's hard to get on the ground, who beats you with his legs, beats you with his arm, and has a lot of experience. We were able to 
play well against him. Sanders, the back, we were able to get him on the ground, and we tackled well in that game and kept. We got sacks with the integrity of not letting guys out of the pocket, which is really hard to do at times. Sometimes you you get you know distorted in, in your rush lanes, and that's hard to do and get guys on the ground. And we did a good job of that in what we did. Um, thought we played the run very well, but also I thought we covered well. And we did a good job downfield, staying disciplined. At times, KJ did get out that we didn't leave our guys, and that's where they've created a lot of big plays in the past. And the discipline part of how we're playing is getting better and better. Uh, and what we're doing. And then they did a great job in the red zone early in the game when, when Arkansas did move the ball the first couple drives that we, you know, we were able to stand up in the red zone, and not give up touchdowns, which I thought was very critical. I thought offense would come out very, very efficient, very hot. It was great to give up because they had like a eight minute drive, the first drive. And you sit over there on the sidelines for eight minutes. It's hard. You don't realize, man, even though you don't give up points on, you know, guy give up three or none, you say, come out, offense, come out there and play. When you sit there for eight minutes, it's hard to come out there and be hot when guys control the ball. And we did that. We were able to come right back. And, Max, man, we finished the drive off with a great third down conversion and hit a touchdown. And uh, we were able to get the lead back. Uh, I thought we were very – we had the ball four times the first half, scored three, and we hit a missed field goal where we hit the upright. Uh, and that didn't come out and force. And we had to turn over, then come right back after that. I was very proud. We were able to even get a touchdown, and we got we got to fix that. Some things we can get cleaned up, a couple drops in there, and a couple uh, throws we can make in a block or two, and we can get some touchdowns. But we were able to get points back, so we responded back very well. I thought our special teams – uh, and the fact of a return game, uh, we almost gave up one kickoff return. We had a, we had a, a miscue over there on one of the gaps and it almost got out and we were lucky. And then, but then we, of course, uh, the punt returns by Nias were huge in the game. That kind of helped, got us up three scores in the fourth quarter. And then he had another one that set us up and, and, uh, you know, his presence and command there were, were excellent in the game. Uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, we missed a couple field goals, which are, they were long ones, 47 and 48. They weren't like they were short. One hit the upright and the other. And, you know, Randy's had a great year. He'll continue to do that get those back uh but we were able to run the football we got more physical uh you know uh Le'Veon come on ran well Mari did uh Ruben when he got in the game did a really nice job we again we like three backs Le'Veon got hot there and was strong and running that thing did a good job our tight ends caught the ball uh, it was great to see Evan he got even though he got nicked up he came back in that game made plays it was really good to see him come back good to see uh three back on the field Noah Thomas getting him back is huge for us uh in our development uh, Max did a great job again, and uh, he, had, he had a couple of little plays, he had a fumble and, and two turnovers, but at the same time, he managed the game well, did a great job. Then I thought our, the group that we're not talking about, the integrity of our pocket, our, our offensive line did a great job of protecting us. We we had great protection, picked up blitzes, got hats on hats, and they got some guys who can rush the passer, and we did a really good job of giving him a really good pocket probably 95% of the time and, and got the ball out and were able to run the ball at the end, were physical. Uh, and what we try to do, the offensive line, I'm really, you know, pleased with their pride. We still got ways to go, but we're, I'm really pleased with their pride along with our tight ends and, and the blocking we had there. Again, a nice, and those guys made some plays and it was good to get a good balanced win. And it's a very, that game's always tough up there and, uh, we gotta get a lot better. And we could play Alabama this week. Alabama's a very good football team. Uh, defensively, they're outstanding right now. I think, uh, <clears throat> when you start up front, I mean, Dallas Turner, can rush like have 41 Braswell. He can, he can bring it on the edge. You got to pick six last week off a deflection playing the screen. He did a great job of playing that screen and the ball got deflected. He made it and then broke a tackle and scored. The inside D tackles are physical and strong like always. I mean, it's just like the same backers can run. I mean, they're big, they're physical, they're long, got a lot of experience. Game Marshall is, and has a lot of experience. Campbell with his first start 
had four, uh, I think 14 tackles or 11 tackles, something like that. They had an astounding number of tackles, and that's with Lawson being out, who was playing outstanding football for him too, 32. So backers are really good. Secondary is really good. They've experienced starting Malachi Moore at nickel. I mean, he never comes off the field. He's always out there playing, makes all the calls, checks. I mean, this guy's been around. Seems like you know one of those guys like a nice. Have been around forever and ever, and he's playing. He's played the whole time. He's here. He's a very productive player and very good player. Two corners are outstanding. Terry and Arnold, uh, physical, run, athletic, big. Uh, Kool-Aid, I mean, again, athletic, can make plays on the ball, both play it, can cover man-to-man, can play zone, can tackle. Uh, Caleb Downs, the young safety, is outstanding, plays the ball. One of the great guys that can play it, you know, can play third level and second level. Tackles, man, really athletic at tackle, but can play the ball, ball skills, picks across sideline to sideline. And uh, Key is a great experienced guy for them to come in and mix in. So, I mean, they've, they've got depth in those different positions too. So, I mean, really good defensive football team. And, and you see it on the numbers and what they're doing offensively. Big and physical starts up front. Two tackles are athletic. Let's say Caden Proctor, the young freshman, is really a good player. He's coming on. Latham, we've known for a while, is as good as anybody in the country probably. The inside, uh, McLaughlin, the center, and Dalcourt and uh, Booker, those guys are all highly top guys in the country. They're massive. They're big. You watch them against Mississippi State last week, man, and they moved that off the defensive line. I mean, they ran the football, did against Ole Miss. Uh, backs, McClellan's excellent back. He and Roy Dale are both, man, they're big, physical. You know, they share carries and they rotate a lot and uh, like our guys and, and uh, can bring it downhill. Um, tight end does a great job um, in what they're doing, 81. I mean, he do Dippery, I think I believe that's how you say that, is really athletic and plays. And then uh, uh, Ozitz out or outs, I mean, how he, he's physical. But then Nye Black's averaging almost 20 yards a catch and what they're doing. And their receivers, like you say, the catch is 10, 12, 9 catches. But if you look at the yards, they're all averaging 20, 22 yards a catch. That's telling you they're throwing the ball down the field. They can run. Bond and uh, Burton. You know, Law and all those guys, Brooks, Jalen Hale, the young freshman, had one. I mean, they're, the tight ends are getting it down the field. So, and then you look at Milrow. I mean, he can throw it. His arm is strong as heck. I mean, he had two runs last week. One, he just it was a had a uh, RPO and he he looked to throw it, didn't hit, and just scrambled. I mean, I mean, it's 65, 70 yards later. It's in the end zone. He is grass. He's as good an athletes on their team. And I and I and there's some phenomenal guys on that team. He he can he beats you. In the, he's different. He's got power and twitch, but man, he can hit it. Another one on the goal line right before half was big. They had the guys covered. He stepped up, made two guys miss, jumped to the right and jumped to the left, made a third guy miss, and his strength got him in the end zone. I mean, very good player there. Kicker, outstanding range, accuracy, punter, same way. Return game, Kool-Aid's back there. Him and, uh, and uh, seven those guys in, in the return game. So, you know, they're a complete football team. They're a very good football team. You know, we're going to have to play better than we're playing. We have to, as far as improving our mistakes and, and not that, you know, we have to jump up. We got to get better each and every week. That's our goal. We have to improve and we have a good, we have, we have a good football team. We need to worry about us and prepare and, you know, look at what they do and be able to prepare against what they're going to be able to bring in here. And it's, which is going to be a very big, strong physical football team and has skill. And like always, Coach Saban is a great coach. They do a great job with the staff. And, uh, you know, it's about we have to go in and prepare well and get ready to play a great game and play another SEC. And I say they're double whammy games because it's an SEC game and it's an SEC West game. So, I mean, it counts double. And, you know, this is the next game, so it's the most important game we have. Question. Second row on the right, David, you start us off. Jimbo, you, you talked a little bit about Jalen Milrow, but he's different running quarterback than what you saw with mm-hmm. KJ and then Peyton. Can you talk a little bit about Peyton Thorne, how the yep. difference? Well, I mean, he, he's as fast as anybody on our team. 
I mean, when this guy hits grass, I mean, a lot of those quarterbacks you can run down or there'll be big chunks of yards. You know what I'm saying? This guy puts balls in the end zone. I mean, he's like your tailback or your best receiver hitting grass and running away from you. And he's strong and he's twitchy and, you know, and he, he, he doesn't mind doing it. He doesn't mind tucking it and going. And, but he also has a very strong arm. He does a great job on downfield throws. They're average, like I say, uh, their passing game and they're hitting a lot of big chunks in their passing game. So it makes it hard because it pushes your defender so deep creates that separation and the levels of play. When you get a guy that athletic and he gets space, he can make you miss. So tackling, leverage, all those things, rushing in lanes and being disciplined in our lanes is going to be very critical. And also Le'Veon Miles, a couple of really big games. Talk about his growth. I uh, love what he's doing, getting healthy. Got twitch, got power, explosion, consistency, catches the ball. And it's it just fun to watch him emerge. He's working hard, and it's great to see him. And, and he brings some things to us that, you know, all three of those backs are very unique in how they run. Amari's a great runner, been very productive. Ruben's extremely productive. But, you know, Le'Veon had a hot hand, and so we kept giving it to him. And I mean, he was running, breaking tackles in those A-gaps and then being explosive and bouncing things out. So it was fun to see. Thank you. That was Jimbo Fisher at his uh, his weekly Monday press conference, just like we heard Nick Saban give yesterday. Um, that's going to wrap it up for the Gary Harris Show. Gary had to step out early. I'm Justin Jones closing out the show. Um, be sure to tune in tomorrow. We're going to have Matt Coulter on to talk about the great race at Talladega this past Sunday. Um, and that's always uh, 9, to, uh, 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.